This is Agency Side, telling the stories of starting, growing, and selling digital agencies. Sponsored by Natrilla.com, the CRM system for SEOs and digital marketers. Now, here's your host, Rob Carey. I'm joined today by Stephen Kenwright and Carrie Rose, founders of the SEO agency Rise at Seven. Welcome to the show, Stephen and Carrie. Cheers, Rob. Good to be here. <laughs> now, Rise at Seven is a relatively young company that started less than two years ago. Why did you decide to start your own agency? Well, for me, I mean, it's not something that I had intended to do uh, a long, a long time. Like, I've, I've been encouraged by a few a few people over the years to start my own thing and it's not something that I really had an ambition to do historically uh, I know Carrie's a little bit different on that front but um, I, I was I was working for another agency for a lot of years I went in-house and my plan was very much to see where it went from there I, I was gonna stick it out um, at Pendragon PLC where I joined and you know it's, it's largely because um, I'd, I'd recently got married we were you know pregnant and uh, four, four months pregnant and about to have a baby just moved house so I was kind of like having having lived the agency lifestyle for seven years and been you know certainly in the last few years living in hotels three nights a week and that sort of thing I was ready to settle a little bit and do something more consistent um, but you know the the market is how the market is, and uh, with Brexit, especially the automotive industry, definitely felt that more keenly than a lot of other industries, and has been doing you know ever ever since. So uh, from 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 that point onwards, like when I had the realization that that job wasn't for me, um, and I thought about going back agency side, this is just really good timing, and I don't think that this offer would have been available I don't think this opportunity would have been available any other time really yeah and on my perspective I've always I've always wanted to run my own business I didn't necessarily know which kind of business to run um but long story short I decided to go on the apprentice tv show it was just me basically trying to get on tv and at the time I had to write a business plan so you have to write your business plan before you go and audition and then you present it in your audition process and when we wrote that business plan um I actually spoke to Stephen at the time so he was the di- my director at the time and I basically told him by the way I've applied for the apprentice I didn't tell anybody else can you help me do this business plan and it did everything from competitor analysis um what was you know what was the industry looking like um we looked into not only the search industry but the creative industry as well and we spotted a gap we spotted a trend that you know these um companies were wanting to work with more specialists um that you know these big agencies were struggling and migrating and moving into like larger companies really and the demand was a bit different um especially for we saw a gap that SEO really weren't seen as creative and we'd try to kind of like tap into that when we was at Branded 3 and we thought you know what if we went big on this and that's really why we decided at the beginning to create this business plan get me on The Apprentice however what happened was I didn't make it so I made it to the final 30 um, on the show and long story short, they turned me down. They said the business plan was too perfect. And when you're trying to get on The Apprentice, you have to be a bit of a car crash. You have to have something wrong with you, you know, in some way. And they said, you know, your plan is a bit too perfect. Um, so I didn't get on. And instead, I got offered um, by a private investor some money to start up. I then thought, I, I don't want to do this on my own. So I messaged Stephen and said, 
would you come with me? And not many people know this. He, he turned me down at the beginning. Um, and in the end, that after two weeks of persuading, he actually decided to go, okay, told his wife. Um, obviously, his wife weren't too happy that he was quitting his amazing job at an amazing brand to go and start up a risky business during, you know, what Brexit was coming. And then obviously, we didn't know, but COVID then hit. So it was a risky, risky time to join. Um, but yeah, from the the, time, the day of deciding we was going to do it, it took us four weeks to build this website and we launched um, and it went from there, really. That's quite an amazing story, really. So <laughs> it could have been on uh, BBC's The Apprentice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm kind of glad I, I didn't. Um, firstly, because I know that Alan Sugar takes 50% of uh, the company. I know that he'd be a very rich man if he took 50% right now. Um, so it's better off that we didn't go down that route. Um, but also... It, it feels like this was meant to be. Um, joining myself and Stephen together, um, we've been learning a lot about the visionary and the integrator, and that's who we are. Um, most people who know us know that myself and Stephen are completely different people, but that's what's worked in our favour. Um, it, it, it's definitely got us to where we are today by having us two work together on this journey. And I've quite a strenuous link to this story, really, because back in 2012, a company called St Ives offered to acquire the agency that I co-founded called AIMA and our board decided to decline the generous buyout offer but the company St Ives then went on to our newest competitor Branded3 and offered a almost identical buyout offer to them which they accepted. Do you think that you would have started Rise at 7 if AIMA had sold St Ives and Branded3 had stayed independent? Uh, I think it's an interesting question because I think that the willing was there to sell branded three and it was going to be sold to someone. Uh, so slightly different story to Aima, who uh, I think from what I know, obviously those guys went and IPO'd in the end, but um, that wasn't the roadmap. They weren't trying to sell the business. So if you take that aside for a second, I would say no. Um, the reason being like I, I had been in branded three for less than a year when the deal was announced to be acquired by St. Ives. And, because of the deal, my career was massively fast-tracked. I replaced uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Altoff, one of the founders of Brand3, within about three years from kind of my very first entry into the industry, which meant that for the majority of the time, and I, I was there for seven years, which is long in agency world, but you know, in, in, in terms of how long you were at a, co- a company in the real world, that's not a, an enormous amount of time. But in seven years, I would say that I saw pretty much everything. I managed every team at Branded3 at some point and have been involved in every kind of business decision for at least the last sort of four years from kind of how we managed uh, financials through to accounts through to, um, you know, the strategy for the whole business. So um, it, it's because of that experience and the opportunity that I got there where I just got exposed to everything at such an early stage that I think... Uh, I, I almost think of Branded 3 as a sort of dry run for Rise at 7. And I've said to Carrie a bunch of times, like most of the stuff that we've done to this point, I feel like I've seen it before. I know how that plays out. I know what decisions to make. And it's only in the, the very recent sort of months that we're starting to run into things that aren't usual, haven't been seen before. And the exception obviously being COVID. We didn't have a pandemic when I was at B3, but um for the majority of things that we've decided to do, I feel like I've got some prior experience because of that deal. Yeah, um, from my point of view, I was obviously um, in the PR team when the merge was happening, well, from Brandy Free turning into Edit when St. Ives and, uh, bought us. And I think 
it it definitely pushed me in the direction to go and do what I wanted to do. Um, I think when we got bought, we saw a massive change from a cultural perspective. Um, St. Ives and Edit, when bought us, there was a big data company. So when they bought Branded 3, search was not the priority. It was data and tech. Um, so I think from a search perspective and people that was passionate about search, we didn't feel like we was put to number one. I think it definitely pushed me to go and do something that I wanted to do. But at that time, I was exploring multiple avenues. I was, you know, the apprentice. I had, um, I was doing some freelance at the time. I had a couple of job offers on the, on the side as well. I weren't really sure what I wanted to do. I think it definitely did give me the nudge when that happened, when we when Branded 3 got bought. Um, but I don't think that was the reason. I think multiple things happened at once and it just seemed to come together. So Branded 3 gave you kind of the, the confidence to be able to start this new agency. But what were the main fears before taking the leap and starting? And how did you overcome them? I, I only had one fear, really. And, and I mentioned previously that when um, me and Carrie actually said, yes, we're going to go and do this agency. My wife was four months pregnant. We moved into a new house a month before. Uh, it was terrible timing from starting a new company. It's possibly the worst worst timing it could have been. Um, and I wasn't worried about any of that. Like I was, I was always confident in how we would be able to build and grow an agency. The only fear that I've had all along and, you know, fairly founded fear is time. Like it's not a nine to five. It's not a a, a job where, where what I had been in in house, where I was planning to you know be a little bit more consistent, home in an evening and that sort of thing. I am home in an evening. Obviously, we're all locked down, but um, I know it's not a nine to five. And the thing that I was worried about is going back into that lifestyle of long hours. It's not not common in in our business certainly, and it wasn't common in branded three. Like I don't think that lots of people work very long hours, but when it's your business or when you feel like it's your business, uh, as I certainly do, I think Carrie did as well at B3, you do work long hours. And that was that was what I was worried about. And I think that's probably come true really. I think the good thing about myself and Stephen partnering is I had zero fears. Um, I have no commitments. I don't have any kids. And at the time, I didn't have, you know, a boyfriend or anything like that. I was free. If it failed, it didn't matter. Um, and that's that fear turned into confidence, that lack of fear turned into confidence. I was confident that I could walk into any brand at that age and be able to deliver just as much results as the biggest agencies in the world. And that confidence, I think, has got us where we are today. We got invited to pitch for Misguided um, week three, was it, Ken Right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Week three of launching, that's insane. So bearing in mind, myself and Stephen had to walk into Misguided, just two of us, um, to go and pitch. And we won it on the spot without a pitch. So we didn't even need to put any presentation together. And that level of confidence has got definitely got us where we are today. So I think the fact I was fearless and I had you know no commitments or anything like that has definitely helped push me and Stephen make risks. Um, and yeah, we made a lot of fast decisions and it's definitely paid off in the long run. Yeah, I think Rise at Seven is probably one of the fastest growing agency success stories in our industry that I know. But do you think that the image of a young, inexperienced company is well-deserved? And is there more to the company than its somewhat loud or maybe even brash exterior? I think the inexperienced thing is it's an interesting thing because it's a double-edged sort of sword, right? Because we are inexperienced in the sense of we're, we feel like we're doing something new. And there are def definitely precursors to what we've done. Like um, I certainly look at Epiphany Search as being a business that kind of took a more creative stance on SEO, um, you know, even quite a few years ago. 
Um, but it is an inexperience in the sense of I don't think that anyone has done what we are doing in terms of the type of work that we do for clients before. So we are sort of inventing it as we go along. But I'd say that behind that, there are some um, real confidence uh, in indicators in there. So like we guarantee KPIs for clients, for example, like whether it's kind of linked KPIs particularly or, or, or coverage numbers or something like that, we have a guarantee we, we will do that and we keep going till we do it. Um, and when we're doing campaigns, I think I find it really interesting looking at a lot of the conversation on digital PR Twitter about, you know, it's okay to fail and, and, and all that kind of thing. And, and our view is it's not. It's not okay to fail. Failing implies that you have given up. And what we do is we go, that didn't work. How can we make it right? And I would say that in our history, really, we've had one campaign that did not work and we could not make it work. And our response to that was, we'll make it right. We'll do another campaign for you. We'll pay for it ourselves. We will smash it this time. And, you know, I think to have that kind of confidence behind the business, it, 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 looks brash definitely but we back it up yeah absolutely I think our marketing has gone big since day one and the reason that we did that is because bearing in mind myself and Kenwright are just two people from Sheffield who gives a f- about two people from Sheffield people had this kind of perception that you know if your offices weren't in London or New York or Manchester that you you didn't have the chance to be global and what we wanted to prove is that we chose Sheffield strategically and um, there's more chance of us you know beating competition here there's more chance of us hiring there's two universities that we could get talent from um it doesn't it doesn't matter in digital where you are um I think we have that um confidence about us that we could be anywhere in the world we can work from our bedrooms and we could still deliver the same level as results and we had to say that from day one there was a lot of noise going on in SEO there was a lot of change and I think SEOs don't really like change um and I think we had to go big or not at all and what happened was we went really loud on social and we shown what we was capable of and we got momentum behind us and there was a moment where we thought you know maybe we should slow this down and calm it down for a bit but one thing Ken Wright said to me was momentum is very hard to get as an agency in the first place but if you've got it it's also really hard to get it back if you lose it um so you know we're getting this for free we're getting people talking about us recommending us because ultimately what we do is awesome work that we enjoy and also with the experience part because we was winning clients like big clients and big brands fast we usually we we basically said that we was going to hire young you know people that come up with crazy ideas that could deliver fast and ambitious growth however we had to hire senior people so we hired the you know the head of seo at just eat jerry white he's worked in seo for 15 plus years and we have people from Plusnet, we have people from EE, with Sky Bet joiners. So these are highly experienced people. And then we have the young people, the young content creators, the people that can take, you know, a tweet and turn it into 400 links. That's the sort of kind of thing that we're doing different. And I guess that is new to this industry. It's new to us. Um, but the way that we've attacked SEO and content marketing and tied it together to build links is maybe um, young and different, um, but it's, it's working for us and it's delivering bigger and better results than any bigger agency could. So yeah, it's it's been a nice success story um, and we're just going to keep going with that. And you mentioned Misguided before and also on your website, you list Talan and Halfords as clients. How do you think these UK brands uh, find you and know about you? And why do you think they go for you rather than the more established agencies? Do you think it is that you guarantee the KPIs or do you think it's more that you're something fresh and different? I would go down the front 
different rule um so not many people know that we guarantee kpis until they get in touch with us um so it's not something that we promote or market really i think i did a linkedin status about it once and everyone was a bit surprised that we even did that um but mostly it's just about our fresh and different approach um how we've always seen it is seo is starting to get more of a say around a board table so you know the seo guy around misguided's board table actually makes more money than the brand girl or brand guy or whatever and they need needed an agency that they could trust, an agency that could be different, an agency that had brought more ideas, better ideas. And that's what we positioned ourselves from day one. Um, you could get, you know, another agency that's maybe technically better than us or anything like that. But one thing that we beat every time is the ideas and the creativity and uniqueness. We have definitely positioned ourselves as an agency that's either for you or not for you. So, you know, we couldn't really imagine ourselves working with someone like HSBC. So we really work with brands that want to be different, disruptive, that want to own their space. So we work with the likes of, you know, made.com that are taking over the furniture space or pretty little thing or those sort of brands really. But yeah, I'll let Stephen answer this one as well. I think, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about where, where the business comes from. It's word of mouth. It's, it's, social media particularly um in terms of why brands choose us rather than other bigger agencies um and and i guess we're in a a fortunate position where i would say out of our 65 clients you've heard of the majority of them they're all high street brands they're all big brands and and we would say that we work with global brands or businesses that want to be that so it's about the ambition rather than just the status right now but the reason that they choose us is two, it's speed and creativity. We can turn things around so much faster than massive agencies can. And we can think outside the box as well. There's not a formula. There's not a um, there's not a checklist that a junior is filling in to give you your audit or whatever. It's um, about hiring the best creative talent that we can get hold of and applying each of those clients that we work with into that into that team, making sure that we have really good, strong ideas people for every single account that we work with. Um, and and it's it's quite rare, I think, where you are going for a Mediacom or a iProspect or one of those massive network agencies that unless you are the biggest brand in the country, you don't get to work with the good people. You get to work with the junior people most of the time, unless you pay enough money. And as, as an agency, the kind of agency that we are, we up as a starting point, like we operate a waiting list in terms of the people that come on board with us. We know who we're going to hire for our next eight people, for example. Uh, we've already spoken to them. We've already got preliminary offers on the table and as the business comes in we're bringing those people in we get 50 applications for every job so we are able to pick the best talent in the country and I don't think the big agencies can really say that anymore. I seem to remember when you launched Rise at Seven you positioned it as a technical SEO and a digital PR content agency and I think that's kind of evolved as the company's grown but do you think that the digital PR aspect has kind of overshadowed the fact that you offer technical SEO and do you think that Rise at Seven will evolve into purely a content marketing agency or the other way around? I think that what Carrie mentioned earlier is that we've identified really that what we are is a visionary and an integrator as book rocket fuel suggests um and and the way that that manifests itself in the early days of the business is carrie my i've said this to her a bunch of times and especially recently like every minute that she spends with clients or market-facing activities you know sharing on social and, and and marketing us and talking to people is a minute we're making money and every minute that she's not doing that 
we're not. And so as a natural sort of uh, dynamic between the two of us, when we started the business, I took on the accounts, I took on the um, bookkeeping, I took on process, I took on all of the legal stuff and that kind of thing. Um, and so technical SEO became quite a small part of my job overall, whereas um, we really pushed Carrie as sort of, uh, because she's got the, you know, a, a completely different way of doing things to anyone else in the market. So I think that, you know, that's that's one of the learnings that we took from the early days of the business, really. It's I probably should have hired project management and accounts and so on a lot earlier than I did. I held on to stuff for too long. Um, and that's I think that's where the technical SEO department has really suffered. Um, but I, I do think, you know, I think that's that's fair. I think it is a case of um, we, we're more known for the digital PR stuff. And I think one of the reasons for that is it's really easy to show success of digital PR. You can do a campaign and tweet in about three to four weeks what the results of that campaign were. But as a technical SEO, you know, you've got a six month lead time on a good graph a lot of the time or something like that. So it's it, the, it's a byproduct of the way that we've chosen to market ourselves doesn't lend itself really easily to technical SEO in the way that it does for creative work where you can you can really show that off. One thing that I've always said is um, we've definitely evolved as a business. Like we said, we called ourselves a technical SEO agency. Uh, well, we ta- we actually called ourselves a creative SEO agency. That's what we called ourselves. And now if you go on our website, we're actually or on our Twitter profile. We call ourselves the search first creative agency. Ultimately, what we do is we get more people to search for your brand. So brand is a big part of this. We do fun campaigns that people are searching for you rather than your competitors. But we also get more people to to if somebody was to search for dresses, you come up. So brand is a big part of it as well as SEO. So we we do those two disciplines, anything creative as long as it works for search. Um, and that's the that's the way we're going down. So these creative agencies that are doing, you know, multi-million pound campaigns, like take the John Lewis advert, you know, the time when there was pushing pianos a couple of years ago with Elton John, if you type the words pianos in, John, John Lewis did not come up. So yeah, we're the agency for that. The agency that can build brand whilst also make sure that you're coming up for searches that are not your brand you mentioned Sheffield before which is the city where you're based and probably not a lot of people outside the UK know about Sheffield as a city but you've really committed to having your office there and you've acquired a 3,000 square foot office in the city just before COVID-19 and the lockdown happened most agencies that I've interviewed so far are moving to a remote first approach of working does Rise at Seven plan to keep such a large office space and such a big business expense? And how do you think it will change during COVID-19 and beyond? So we actually acquired the office after COVID had started. So we were really lucky in our position that we were renting some desks for an, another agency in Sheffield when COVID happened, same in our London office as well. So when it did, we were in the conversations and negotiations with our landlord about the new office. Um, and as fortune had it, their lawyers kicked off about um, a way leave for installing broadband into the building, which broadband was already in the building. So our lawyers pushed back and that delayed by maybe a few days, but then lockdown happened. So we put a stop to it for about four months um, and we were effectively a distributed agency at that point. We didn't have any office space uh, that we could have moved into. We just moved out of the the other offices. So we got that 3,000 square foot office. We moved into it, I think, in August. It might have been towards the end of August, early September. Um, We've added another 1,700 square foot. We're in the process of doing that right now. We're knocking through the wall into the next room and adding more space to that as well. 
And we will do the same in London as well. We'll get a London space. And the the reason for it is just it's led by our people, really. So we we conduct polls pretty regularly about whether people want to be in the office or not. Um, and during the time that we um, we were able to go back into the office during the uh, during the pandemic, but not during lockdown, we had to enforce a rotor because 100% of the people wanted to be in the office 100% of the time. So it, it's really, you know, how how the business wants to operate. So we're, we're quite happy with that. You know, I, I'm uh, happy to keep investing in that. We will get a London office. We're going to be opening in the US within the next year and we'll get a physical office there as well. So it's just part of the the business uh, business culture, really. But at the same time, we're, we're much more flexible now than we probably would have been that if the pandemic hadn't happened. I personally think that having an office is going to is going to be what makes us different. There's a lot of agencies I see on Twitter and LinkedIn that are shutting their offices down and going fully remote. And I think for people who like to be surrounded by people, for people that love a creative social space, um that we're the agency for them. Um, so we are, we do hire people that are fully remote. We have devs who are fully remote. We have SEOs who are fully remote um, that come in, you know, one day a week if they want. Obviously, we're all locked down at the minute and we haven't really been in the office. But yeah, we're committed to keeping an office so much that we're extending it further. The extension is going to be knocked through another wall. We're doubling the um, office space and we're going to have everything from hammocks to pool tables to PlayStation corners and even a slide. But although that sounds very kind of so social chain-esque the idea for us is that we are hiring young people that are sociable the millennials they're tiktokers they're creative content creators and having a creative space that allows them to be like that and allow them to you know instead of just banks of desks we're creating a space that people can be sociable i think that's what makes rise at seven different um especially in seo i think sheffield's a a, a good point as well like it was a very conscious decision to go here with with agency side background will be leads right so we're both branded three in leads and then i worked in nottingham with pendragon and we had the opportunity to set up where we wanted to and we actively chose sheffield for a number of reasons the first one being the agency landscape there at the moment anyway so there is one big agency in sheffield which is j-wing and as j-wing is a plc um it's it's pretty clear just looking at um you know the news that they have to put out that it, it hasn't been going great for them for a while so there's a, an agency there that has a bunch of very experienced very talented people who uh it felt to us like there's an opportunity to hire some really great talent in the city from that point of view then there are a bunch of smaller agencies that you know uh, tend to work with smes uh which isn't really our bag we're very much enterprise we're very much big brand type focus as well so an opportunity to hire people there and then two universities and if you know i i went to a a sheffield university and when i graduated i had to leave there weren't any jobs so the opportunity for us was to create jobs in sheffield because we know so many people commute out of the city so many people have to leave the city after they graduate that it, it was a huge opportunity for attracting people uh, and that's how we've managed to attract so many people because we are we're, we're the only game in town really for a lot of people uh, if you're in that sort of creative space we are we are the the company that's hiring 
Yeah, and Leeds was our alternative option. And we know so many agencies in Leeds that are just struggling to hire. You've got to bear in mind, as I can think of 10 to 15 off the top of my head that are based in Leeds and they're all just comp- competing on price. So, you know, that person offered me 20 grand or 25 to 28. That's that's what it's like in Leeds. We don't have any competition here. Um, to be honest, we don't feel like we actually have any competitors in the industry. Uh, we don't really think people are doing what we do. Um, maybe we'll have, we've got a list of competitors that we keep a close eye on but mostly it made it so much easier for us to hire. And if I'm completely honest, every business person I've spoke to has said hiring is number one, the hardest thing to do for any company. It's all about getting the best people. It's all about getting them in fast and training them up. And that's what has made it easy for us, especially at our fast growth. Imagine if we was at fast growth and was in Lee City Centre, we wouldn't have been able to handle it the way we have. So we're very, very lucky. And it was the best decision to choose Sheffield for that reason. LinkedIn shows your employee count at 50 people and it seems to be going up every day, which is incredible for a company which is less than two years old. But as you mentioned before, most of those people appear to be straight out of university or just with a few years of experience. So does having such an inexperienced team worry you or your clients at all? Or does it give you a unique edge over your competitors? We have such an edge from that perspective. And Part of it comes down to the types of businesses that we work with. We're we're very heavy B2C, uh, over B2B particularly. And we tend to work with businesses where actually a lot of our people are the target audience, like with Pretty Little Thing and with um, that kind of my protein type brand and that sort of that sort of company are the types of people that we hire are very much in their in their target market. Now we invest a lot in training. We have a lot of internal training. We spend a lot on external training as well. So we're confident we can bring those people on quickly. But we do have to supplement that with experienced people too. So we, we've hired um, a, a lot of uh, more experienced people, d- depending on the, the discipline as well. Like our tech SEO team is, is very experienced, for example. Um, and our digital strategy team, which is our kind of consulting part of the business, again, loads of experience in that team. It's the execution, it's the creativity style um, disciplines where we have a lot of graduates because, you know, more than anything else, the important thing for us when we're hiring is attitude. It's about, you know, the enthusiasm and, and being um, creative and having, you know, having more years under your belt doesn't necessarily mean that you're more creative. The, the way that we kind of interview with those sort of creative applications we get, we get all sorts of things like Flash games. I don't know if it's Flash now, it's probably HTML5 or something like that. But, uh, you know, interactive games, we've had trainers designed, we've had all sorts of really cool stuff sent to the office. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily that those people have got years and years on them about what they can show that they have got good ideas through that. Yeah. And I think on the experience thing, we, we've got Alice as an example, six to eight months ago, she was pulling pints in a bar. She had zero experience and she came in and now she's running campaigns. She ran a campaign for Xbox and went viral. Our training process is insane. Um, And I actually think like from my perspective, a lot of people say, oh, you know, oh, well, Carrie, I've never done that before. I've never experienced that. I've never ran a business before, never in my life. Um, You know, I've only really worked in SEO for six years. So I guess the traditional SEOs who've done it for 15 plus years, they may, might see me as inexperienced, but actually it's seen as a benefit from our clients. Most clients come to us because of that level of energy, young talent. We're constantly thinking about new technology where we're the agency you come to if you want to rank um, well on Pinterest, if you want to rank well on YouTube and GIF these are technologies that you know experienced people aren't really that bothered about touching into because that that's not their audience they're not using those as tools so we, i would say actually we have about 50 percent of our business are 
senior people with five years plus. Um, maybe we don't shout enough about them, so we definitely will. But most of our um, grads are in the PR team. So we don't have any grads in tech SEO. We don't have any grads in digital strategy other than we have a data analyst who's just joined us. But actually she's, you know, building Python scripts and she's very experienced from doing that in her bedroom. But that's the sort of talent that I love. You know, kids in their bedrooms that are building affiliate sites or people that are building tools um, in, you know, in their garage. Um, that sort of talent is what we definitely thrive off at Rise at Seven. And they call them the Bart Simpsons. So the young people that are a bit kind of edgy and a bit different. Um, and we we definitely have a few Bart Simpsons in our business. And it, it's it's what I would say is our competitive edge. The campaigns that I've seen Rise at Seven produce are a lot closer to what a traditional ad agency would produce rather than a typical SEO or content marketing agency. You produce a lot of high quality video content and take the messaging offline sometimes. Do you see yourselves as less Silicon Valley and more Mad Men? 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if you look at... And SEO is a really interesting space because it's part IT and it's part marketing and where people see themselves. Like I did a Twitter poll not long ago, actually, where I asked, like, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as part of digital or part of marketing? And I think 75% of the response was digital. That's not us. We're a marketing agency. We're about messaging. We're about driving action. And that's what's important. It's about getting a message that our clients have out there and driving SEO results off the back of it. Like SEO is a byproduct of great marketing and that's what we're aiming to do. Do you think that Rise at Seven's format of innovative and unusual PR campaigns is scalable though? And do you think it's realistic to use these tactics to rank as a website in Google for some of the more competitive keywords? I think definitely. Uh, I think if you are going to suggest what the biggest ranking factor probably is, I'd say it's brand. And that's what, again, we're doing with the kind of marketing campaigns that we do. We're about, yeah, getting links, but links is, um, I always think of it as the campaigns that we do, the KPI, the objective is SEO and SEO and something else. It's about, you know, driving brand impression. It's about driving affinity. It's about um, getting attention and brand awareness. But there's always a, a secondary objective to what it is that we're doing. Um, in terms of scalability, I think we're, we're kind of showing that. Like we've got 65 clients and we're adding more and more uh, people and, and, and clients to the roster all the time. But it's not the only thing that we do. Like um, when we are pushing to get rankings when we're pushing to get visibility for the brands that we work with that's the bit that we shout about and probably because that's the bit that's very hard to replicate but what we do in the background is seo right so we have technical seo people who are making sure that a website's fast and accessible we have a strategy team who's making sure that it's targeting the right keywords and making sure that we're covering any content gaps that we might have um, as well as that creative function so it's a full service seo agency it's just that what we have as our differentiator the bit that's very hard to replicate is the bit that you see one of the most well-known hires within the industry was uh, mark Grove, who left rise at seven last year to sell christmas trees online he was a big character and brought a lot of attention to your agency but you also seem to encourage all of your staff to be vocal on social media and promote the work that they do is there a danger that this will continue to build the brands of your individual employees who could then move on rather than the Rise at Seven brand? 
we actively encourage our employees to brand themselves, promote themselves. Um, we're launching these like vlogs so that we can make sure that the people behind the business are visible. That that's a hundred percent part of our strategy. Uh, and I guess like with Mark, Mark as an example and, and Thea as well, like Carrie was talking about pitching for Misguided within a few weeks. Um, we had a we had a slide um, when we were in that pitch about who the team's going to be. Um, and, and Thea went viral just before she joined us um, as part of an ASOS campaign. Like she got some uh, awful abuse on Tinder and posted it on link on, on, on Twitter about, um, you know, some some who'd been really sort of harsh with the comments that he'd made on her Tinder profile. Um, and she happened to be wearing an ASOS dress and ASOS put her as the model on their product page. So we hired Thea, uh, Carrie and Thea from a similar part of the world, actually, and uh, know each other a little bit. So when we put that slide on um, in the pitch about who our team's going to be, you've got half of the team at Misguided saying, is that the ASOS girl? And then you've got the other half of the team saying, is that Mark Rofe? And it feels like one of the hardest things to do when you're an agency is people buy people. That's what you really sell. That's all you've got to sell. You don't make anything. So we've got to make a connection. And if we're going into a room with someone who knows who actually they were not just the people who own the agency are, but the people that they're working with, that makes that sale so much easier. Um, of course, it's a danger in terms of people moving on, but you know, it's, it's going to happen anyway. Like I, I would, I would, love for those people to to get great jobs as as time goes on like if if we can't keep them because you know um they have this great opportunity somewhere else then i would love to think that we were part of them getting that opportunity because we've taken them from graduates through to being some of the best people in their industry that's that's a wonderful thing for me yeah, from my perspective, um, I think it's all about giving them credit as well. I think a lot of people that do awesome work don't get enough credit. And I think a lot of SEOs definitely highlight that on, highlight that on Twitter that, you know, there's people behind, you know, awesome campaigns that you've never even heard of. And for once, Rise at 7 is the platform that gives you, you know, credit. We're, we're shouting out about the awesome people, the awesome work. Um, and for me, if somebody was to go and hand their notice in and go elsewhere and be the, you know, the head of creative at Netflix or anything like that, that's probably going to make me the proudest person alive. Um, but what my job is, is to make sure this is an awesome place to work. Most of our staff get contacted every single day by competitor agencies trying to steal them, maybe even trying to offer them, them more money. And we haven't had anyone leave because of that. Everybody stayed. And it, because we have an awesome place to work. The train is insane. And we, you know, give credit to people. We give pay rises. We've had people get promoted to head of in, in six months. Um, Rise at Seven is an awesome place to start your career and grow your career. And if someone's to leave after five years, then we feel, I certainly feel like I've done my job right. As Rise at Seven reaches its second birthday, what are your goals and ambitions for the next two years? So our goal for, for this year was to grow 100% year on year, um, which we've, we've done. And our goal for next year is to do that again. And I think we can do it again. Um, so we, we're still in growth mode as a business. We're very much ramping up. If anything, we're accelerating at the moment, which is which is exciting for us. Definitely stressful, but it's pretty exciting. Um, in terms of like the big initiatives, so... Um, we're just building our board of directors or our senior team. So we've hired a couple of big people, uh, big names in the industry to come on and do that um, and, and really sort of help us spearhead some of the other teams and some of the other functions and make sure that everything's working as, as best as it possibly could. We're also expanding to the US, as I mentioned earlier. So that's one of the big initiatives and part of the reason that we're getting that board in place. Like our The thing that we're running at more than anything else is make Carrie redundant, make sure that she she stays out of 
the day-to-day like um she doesn't need to be there now but actually you know make it so that no one is reliant on her to deliver anything so that she can go and set up a, a u.s office um within the next year as well that's that's one of the big goals within the next year at least uh, I, I guess our longer term vision and what we're really really trying to do is we want to cross over fully into that creative space we want to properly bridge those gaps and the, the hard bit for us is going to be maintaining that foothold in seo and also stepping into that advertising space but in a nutshell we want to be the first seo agency that wins lions at can and wins cleos and wins you know the the recognition for the scale and the creativity of the work that it does rather than just we did something it was for seo and the graph went up that's not what we're about it's about getting noticed and it's about making sure that we are driving uh, results for the people that we work at uh, work with at the brands we work at that's a given that the graph is going to go up. It's about have this amazing thing on your CV, be able to have this award, be able to whatever it is and and make sure that uh, our clients are achieving their professional ambitions too. What my goal has always been is, I guess, SEO has never really been a subject that people know in general. And what I mean by that, like if I spoke to my mom about SEO, she does not know what that means. And it's not necessarily a proud thing to talk about as such, like, you know, oh, like I did this thing for a website kind of thing. When I meet people on holiday, it's quite hard to describe what I do as a job. Um, What we're trying to do at Rise at Seven is finally make SEO something proud to talk about, doing cool things, campaigns that my mom's scrolled and saw on Facebook and, you know, realized that was, you know, something that her daughter did. And that's the sort of level of campaigns and work that we want to achieve, you know, search results that you send to your boss and your CEO that you're proud about. And we've noticed, especially that the SEO inside of a brand has got to work with the other teams. They're working closer and closer with social media. They're working closer with content. They're working closer with, you know, their brand managers. Um, And Rise at Seven is the agency for people that are that. So, you know, if you're an isolated SEO person, maybe, you know, Rise at Seven isn't for you. If you don't really care about the content that we write that then gets shared on social media, that then generates links from Daily Mail, et cetera, et cetera. If that's not your thing, then we're not for you. Um, But yeah, famous work in SEO, I think, think um is is definitely been around but it's been in a bubble that no one really knows about and what i'm talking about is your postman kind of thing but yeah we're we're starting to touch into that creative space by making sure that every creative thing that we do ties back to search and delivers search results um and that's the most exciting bit for me does rise at seven have an end game yet would you like to be acquired like branded three was or do you see rise at seven as your retirement plan um, neither really. We've got we've got a point that we want to get to in terms of what the business um, can achieve. So I mentioned that growth at the moment and really get into that scale. If um, an acquirer was able to take us there faster than we could do it ourselves, then we'd be open to that. But at the minute, I think it looks like we could get there. So really, what we're trying to do is is that kind of cultural impact. And in in a very long term, we don't know. Like this industry moves so so quickly that actually we could find out in three years time when we've reached the the heights that we want to we want to get to and be the biggest search agency that's ever existed uh that something completely different happens and you know what we need to be really focused on you know a completely different channel or something like that so we we're we're a bit young in terms of an agency a bit young to be really making the long-term plans yet when we've got so much runway before uh we really need to make those decisions i think if you could give one piece of advice to a new agency founder, what would it be? My advice would be don't do it alone if you can help it. 
again, coming back to that visionary and integrator type dynamic that me and Carrie have, I feel that I have good ideas about where the industry is going and what it could do, uh, what it could do with really. But I don't feel like Rise at Seven would look anything like it does if it was just me. I think it would be a lot smaller for one thing. And I, I, I am that integrated person. I like results, I like KPIs, I like data, I like numbers, and I, I guess I'm an SEO more than anything else. If I was going to create an agency on my own, it would be, you know, a, a very different sort of agency that lacks the, um, the the wider vision that I think Harry lends to that. So, um, and again, you know, I've, I've mentioned previously that some of my mistakes since I've started have been hoarding the financial stuff and hoarding the uh, operation stuff and making sure that I, I, I'm, I'm doing that when actually I needed to let go a bit sooner. If I hadn't had Carrie out there pushing the business on social and, you know, marketing it and, and talking to people about it, it wouldn't have grown because I would have been too, too involved in the day to day. So I, I needed that. And I think that a lot of people, maybe maybe they are the visionary person and maybe they are growing the agency and they've got good ideas, but they're worried about what happens when that business gets won and they're worried about how they're going to deliver it without having to do it all themselves. You you need you need that pair, you need that dynamic because there are so few people that can do both of those things. And I guess to add to that, my piece of advice is building personal brand before the agency's brand. The reason that I say that is, 100% of businesses that we work with came to us. We don't have a sales team. We don't do any outbound. We don't drop into the DMs or slide, you know, send emails or anything like that. We have not done any outbound other than our marketing and you know, tweeting and all that sort of stuff. And once I sent a box of sweets to someone, but that's as far as it went, um, the reason that we have got that level of, you know, people recommending us and people just kind of being our friends really and just recommending us in that way is from our personal brand. Myself and Stephen built who we are in this industry way before Rise at Seven. It probably took us about two years. So if anybody's thinking about, you know, starting your own agency, start building your personal brand now. Your personal brand is what's going to drive your business. Focus on your personal brand before the agencies because your personal brand is only going to drive the agency anyway. And ultimately what people buy is people. That's the thing. We don't have products. It's not about, you know, anything like that. What we sell is ideas, is people, and they have to buy into you. So I see a lot of business owners that might even be like, well, you know, I'm not the type of person that wants to build my personal brand. I don't really want to tweet or share on LinkedIn. Hire someone that, someone that will. That's my advice. Um, I think you have to have somebody in the business shouting about you, showing off your work, build, standing on stage and building connections and making friends because ultimately that's drove 100% of our business. Stephen and Carrie, thank you so much for being with me today on Agency Side. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Agency Side, sponsored by Netpillar.com. Visit agencyside.fm to subscribe, read the show notes, and listen to previous recordings. Tune in again soon for our next episode.